Coyote Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Don Lett's reputation has been firmly established in both the film and music world by a substantial body of work from the late 70s to current times. He has numerous film and documentary credits as a director, namely 2017's Two Sevens Clash, 2013's Royalty Close Up, 2010's Stromerville, 2009's Made in Sheffield, 2007's Sol Britannia, and many others. He has also directed over 300 music videos for various artists in the music industry. Don continues to DJ nationally and internationally, playing strictly old and new school dub reggae. In the mid-80s, he formed the group Big Audio Dynamite with Mick Jones from The Clash. He went on to perform and co-write four albums with the band, achieving several hits on both sides of the Atlantic. Along with collaborations with Dreadzone and remixes for various acts, Don has also released several compilation albums. And his latest solo offering, Out of Sync, came out in 2023. Up next on Celeb Savant, we've got Don Letts. Where do we find you in the world and how are you doing? Um, you find me in London, West London, Kensal Rise to be precise. And um, well, I was going to say I'm still standing, but I'm actually sitting. But yeah, I'm above ground. So okay. it's all good. <laughs> I love that. So I know you've been in the, interst- uh, the industry, the entertainment industry, in different facets for multiple years. So the hybrid Don Letts entertainment journey story. Well, how it starts? Yes. <laughs> oh, man, how long have you people got? <laughs> okay, let me try this. Okay, yeah. like I said, I'm as old as rock and roll. I was born in 1956. Mm. Um, I'm a product of the vinyl generation. I've got yes. an analog attitude. The first thing that really opened my eyes and made me want to get involved was seeing The Who perform when I was 14 years old. Okay. That was in 1971. I guess the next musical milestone would have been seeing Bob Marley play at the Lyceum in London in 1975. After which, I followed him back to his hotel and struck up a relationship with him. That was 1975. And then I guess the big thing that really helped me to reinvent myself and become the man I am today was the uh, punk explosion in 1977. Um, I was the DJ in the very first punk rock club and uh famously this is so early in the movement there weren't any uk punk records to play so i played what i liked i played hardcore jamaican reggae dub music lucky for me the punks loved it out of that interaction that creative conversation came something called the punky reggae party in between seeing the who and punk rock giving me the gift of DIY, do it yourself. I became the man I am today. Don Letts, the rebel dread. So you've had multiple fingers in different avenues in the entertainment world. So I'd like to discuss a couple of them. So first of all, directing and uh, music videos for other artists. You've done a number of those. What do you enjoy about About that? 350. Oh, wow. <laughs> what do you enjoy about that? Putting images and music together, well... The thing that made me want to express myself in a visual medium 
We're seeing a film in 1971, again, called The Harder They Come. Mm -hmm. And it's Jamaica's most famous film. Also responsible for helping to spread reggae around the world yep. through its soundtrack. Saw this film, I'm like 14 years old, but couldn't see a way for a young black man to break into what was then a very white world. Fast forward five years, punk rock explodes with the whole DIY thing. All my friends are picking up guitars and instruments, and I wanted to pick up something too. So I picked up a Super 8 movie camera and started to film the bands that I liked. Uh, we're talking about The Clash, The Sex Pistols, The Slit, Susie and the Banshees, etc. From that point, I became friends with many of the punk rockers. They asked me to have a go at making some of their music videos. The first was for Public Image's debut single. And the second was for The Clash's debut single. No, actually, it wasn't their debut single. It was their second single, yep. London Calling. After which I did all The Clash videos. And as I said, went on to direct, to date, about 350 music videos. Uh, the last one I did was a year and a half ago for Sinead O'Connor. And it's called Trouble of the World. Also, I guess I should mention, so that's the music videos. And then I use that as a stepping stone to get into doing documentaries. I've made documentaries on the likes of Gil Scott Heron. Um, uh, God, my brain's gone. Gil Scott Heron, Sun Ra. Uh, George Clinton, and many, many more, and along with a couple of feature films. So before we dive into that, music <laughs> videos. A lot of people who yeah. watch music videos, the fans, they have that perception that music videos take days or weeks or a long period to create. How long yeah. is the process of creating a music video from being on set to the final cut? Oh, man, you can turn them around in a week if you're good enough. You know, you can also take a month if it's a big multi, you know, multi pound extravaganza. I mean, I've done videos for a thousand pounds up to 50,000 pounds. Yeah. You know, but it's not really about the money. It's about the idea. You know, I mean, to be honest, you know, normally, you know, you, know, you meet the group, you get the track, you can think of an idea in a couple of days. Most videos are shot in a day because of budget restrictions. Mm. You know, if you're, a, you know, some mega band, then you can shoot them over a few days. Editing three to four to maybe a five days in the edit. And that's kind of it. You know, normally from inception to delivery, you can do it easily in 10 days if you've got the juice. And you know. with the artists that you've collaborated on for their music videos, are, is it totally collaborative in them saying, OK, we'd like this and then you communicate? Or is it you saying, cool, this is the way forward? Normally the bands I work with, are happy to let me do my thing with the understanding that I understand what they're about. I'm speaking the same language. Mm. And once they feel comfortable with, with that, yeah, then they let me have free reign. I mean, I don't like working with bands that have desires to become film directors and actors. You know, I'm not a great <laughs> fan of um, A to B narratives. I like the f um, videos to be open to interpretation, just okay. like the music is. Mm. You know, music... Everybody has their own idea about what the track means. So I like to allude to an idea, but not to lock it down. I also favor, you know, when the performers justify the space they occupy. In other words, I don't have to disguise them with girls shaking their booty or <laughs> car explosions and nonsense like that. You know, yeah. I, I'm very much into the performance with a little bit of salt and pepper. 
Yes. You know. <laughs> a little bit of spice. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of spice. But ultimately, I like to be able to strip that out and you're still left with a good performance or something that holds you. And that has to come from the performer. Now, you referenced the movies, the documentaries that you've created and produced. What do you enjoy about the film dynamic and the documentary dynamic? Oh, wow. Well, what I love about films and documentaries is, you know, it's a great role model for living because what you have is all these different people that are experts in each independent field, you know, costumes, sound, uh, you know, locations, whatever, you know, and, and everyone knows what their part is in the equation, but they're all working towards a common goal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. And I like the idea of everyone, yeah, work, working towards a common goal and knowing what their part is in the equation. You know, you've got to be able to justify the space you occupy. Otherwise, you are baggage. <laughs> yeah, so yes. the discipline of making movies particular is a good uh, role model for how to live your life. And if you turn up late more than once, you're goddamn fired, man. <laughs> I'm sure, yes. <laughs> Well, you were back in my day, (laughs) unless you're the director. (laughs) Yes. I know you mentioned that you've done or produced and been part of a number of different documentaries. What about those specific documentaries appeal to you? Why did you want to be involved in them? Oh, man. Okay, I guess the documentaries. Well, if you look at the subject, my subject matter, what did I just say? Uh, Gil Scott Heron, George Clinton, Sun Ra. Yeah. Um, You know, these are all brothers that struck a chord with me and whose energy helped me to be who I am and who I think are worth passing on to keep the whole creative process moving. I, don't know that, I, I guess I'm t- I like to express myself through the works of other people. Unless that is, I get to do my own thing totally. And I've done, I don't know if you know, I was in a band called Big Audio Dynamite yes. with a brother called Mick Jones from The Clash. And that becomes a very different dynamic. But when it comes to the film, it's about passing on the energy that made me who I am. You've referenced your musical path. So let's dive into that. You mentioned Big Audio Dynamite and you've got new stuff coming out. So what keeps you diving into the music creative world? Um, what keeps me? Well, I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a product of that generation. and I believe in music as a tool for social and personal change. I mean, it made me who I am. You know, I think people forget in the 20th century that music has that possibility. You know, in the 21st century, a lot of it has become a a soundtrack for passive consumerism. It's not about changing your mind. It's about changing your sneakers. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And And that's not my thing. You know, for some music's a hobby, for some it's a job, but it is my life. And through music, I found a way to make a living, express myself, communicate with my fellow man and stay emotionally attached to the planet. You've done stuff, like you said, with Big Audio Dynamite and now you've done solo stuff as well. So the difference between creating as a solo person or solo artist compared to when you're in a band? Oh, that's massive because the band I was in Big Order Dynamite was with Mick Jones. So I was very much in the back seat there and okay. very much his apprentice, it has to be said. I've got to point out now to all the people that are listening, to this day, you know, I've released, I don't know, five, six albums. I actually can't play an instrument. You know, what I play is ideas. You know, my okay. contribution to Big Audio Dynamite was the whole sample and dialogue thing. But also I wrote 
most of the lyrics with Mick. I wrote 50% of the lyrics with Mick. Um, to this day, I still can't play an instrument. I can turn my hand to a good lyric. And I do like the power of words. That power, when you dive into writing a song from zero to three to four minutes, what is that process? Is it easy every time? What inspires it? Let's unpack your creative brain in the music space. Oh, dude, you can't do that. Because then if I told you that, everyone would be able to do it. The inspiration, man, it comes from a million and one places. Sometimes it can start with a baseline. Sometimes it can start with a news headline. Although you've got to be wary of those things. You've got to be wary of things that are about um, moments. And really, you've got to think about movements. Sometimes it can start with a melody. There's no, you know, sometimes, I mean, a lot of times it just comes from thoughts that are going around in my head that kind of have had time to percolate and, you know, and kind of cook. You know, the whole lockdown thing kind of did that because, you know, you know, lockdown, the COVID lockdown was interesting because what was good about it is that it gave you a lot of time to think. What was bad about it was it gave you a lot of time to think. So this dynamic, along with 67 years of living, informed the lyrical lyrical content of my first solo album out of sync which came out like a month or so ago and yes folks that was a plug (laughs) so let's carry on plugging it tell us a little bit more about the new album out of sync as a 67 year old i'm immensely proud of didn't have any intentions to make a record what happened was just pre-lockdown i was on the phone with a gentleman called youth He's a bass player extraordinaire, and uh, he's a bass player for um, a producer extraordinaire, should I say, and the bass player for Killing Joke. And um, we've been friends for a long time. And he said, oh, Don, it's about time you did your own thing. And I'm like, look, man, you know, I'm too old for that. I've done Big Audio Dynamite. I'm not really looking to switch lanes. And he said, look, never mind that, Don. He gave me like three or four bass lines. Because that's his thing. His thing's bass. Mm. I'm a sucker for a good bass line. This fired my brain up. I started to put some lyrics and melodies together. But of course, not being able to play anything, I wasn't able to put the ideas down. This led me to another musical genius, a gentleman called Gaudi. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with this brother, Wikipedia him, he is like a musical missing link. And like me... He also grew up with kind of Jamaican music coming in one ear and pop and rock coming in the other. And with his musical expertise and Gaudi's bass lines, kickstarting the whole thing, Gaudi was able to make what was in my mind a reality. He basically created a soundtrack to my mind with some cool bass lines. And that's what it is, really. I guess it's the um, sum total of my cultural journey up to this point. And it reflects the duality of what I am, which is black and British. You know, I just told you that, you know, you know, I didn't grow up just listening to black music. You know, you can't define me by my color. The pop and the rock stuff that I was growing up with, your your David Bowie's and your T-Rex's and your Roxy Music's, you know, that punk stuff is all a part of who I am today. And as the Rebel Dread, I think it's very important that you remain open to all the world has to offer, especially if it's got a good baseline. <laughs> but like you said, no one should ever be defined by anything. We are all multi-layered people with different elements and different definitions and different aspects to us that to label a person a this 
is very narrow-minded and very, yeah. I believe, silly. But a lot of people are happy to label themselves. Exactly. You know, and labels are very dangerous things, man, because sometimes if you give yourself a label, that's all you can be. You mm. can't grow. That's why Don Letts doesn't call himself a Rasta anymore. I used to, but I don't anymore. It was too defined. All of a sudden, people are telling me what they thought I was about. I'm like, yep. uh-uh. You know, I mean, the only label that works for me is Don Letts, you know, and because I'm the only person that can decide what that is, what that's about, what that can be. And that changes all the time, dependent on your mood. Well, every day, man. I reserve that right as a human being to wake up every day and change my goddamn mind. Absolutely. I totally, absolutely agree with you. Now, you you spoke a little bit about this earlier, about music these days and more about changing your sneakers and changing your mind. I I don't want to write everybody off. I I don't want to sound like an old man, although I'm not like any other old man you ever met. There are (laughs) young people out there that understand the power of music and, and the role. Mm. It's role in our lives and the part it can play. Mm. Not everybody wants to walk on the red carpet. Totally. I absolutely agree. So I love me a CD. I budget for my CDs every month. I love the aesthetic of holding the thing, the images. For me, it's an energy exchange for all the hard work you guys do. I'm not sure if you're aware. CDs, vinyls, cassettes are almost making a mass- massive comeback all around yeah, the world. Of course. And yeah. But we've also got these digital platforms that people consume music on. What are your thoughts of both? And do you have a preference of any or either? You know, in the 21st century, there's a tendency for this either or, and it's not either or. Okay. At home, there's nothing that beats the ritual of getting out a piece of vinyl and slapping on the deck and dropping the needle on that first groove. On an aeroplane, not so practical. (laughs) You know? Yes. And that's where the digital shit comes in, man. I mean, you can have God's jukebox in your goddamn pocket. So it's not an either or. Um, and I think we're finding that out now with the reemergence, as you've said, of the kind of, you know, solid formats. Yeah, that's it. It's not an either or. They each have their place. I totally agree. I've got my CD player. I've just got a new CD player a couple of weeks ago. I love the sound. It, you know, it feels like I'm in, in, at an event compared to, yes, the audio on the digital is great. It's a- accessible and so forth. I do, though, found, however, that the sound quality is not as great <laughs> compared to when I listen to my CDs, but it's convenient. So to co- yeah. completely agree with you there. I know if I had to ask you this question tomorrow, today, next year, I know your answer will be different every time for the simple fact yeah. there are millions of them and we love millions of them. But if, and I'm not saying your favorite, but if you had to push play to five songs by other artists, once we have finished this conversation, what would those five songs be and by whom? Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, you're asking a man who's as old as rock and roll to hit five songs. All right, you ready? Let's yes. try this. Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Bob Marley, Get Up, Stand Up. Sex Pistols, Anarchy in the UK. Public Enemy, Fight the Power. One more. How many is that? One more. you got one more. Whoa. One more. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, one more. Father John Misty, Ballad of a Dying Man. I didn't even pick a Clash track then. (laughs) I know that's why there's so many. See what I mean? And if I had to ask you again now, it would be a different five. Five different ones. Exactly. But White Man in Hammersmith Palais is big to me because I was the one that took Joe Strummer to the Hammersmith Palais the night that inspired that song. But anyway, you got you okay. asked for five, you got five. There's so much history and so many stories. Yeah, yeah, really. So I know that you've got um, this new album out. So what's next 
Oh man, listen, like the rest of y'all, I'm hustling. It's a creative hustle, yep. but it's a hustle nevertheless. Okay. Um, you know, I live in London and I've got two teenage girls and that keeps you on your toes because this place is bloody expensive. <laughs> you know, people say, oh, Don, you do so many things. But in London, you have to, to survive. Yeah. Um, what's next for Don Letts? Well, I'm off to Japan to do some promotions and DJ work. I guess I should let you people know that I have a radio show. Okay. On BBC Six Music every Saturday night from nine till 11. It's called Culture Clash Radio. It's something I'm, I'm really into because I can just be me. I don't okay. have to be reggae Don Letts. I don't have to be punky Don Letts. Yeah, I can just be Don Letts, man. I've been doing that for about 15, 16 years. Oh, well. Um, and it's available on the net, guys, via something called BBC Sounds app. And yes, that is another plug of which I'm really proud. Yeah, other than that, yeah, I'm hustling. The podcast is listened to throughout the world. So as a final message to the audience, what would you like to say? Uh, what would I like to say that doesn't get me in trouble? <laughs> this woke thing's this woke thing's killing me, man. Yes, I, I gotta tell you. No, I grew up in the sixties and seventies, and apparently I pick up some bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> Although I gotta say, I am willing to learn. You know, yeah, get up, stand up, stand up for your rights. I mean, that's how I feel right now about what's going on around the world. Yeah, you know, I, I'm quoting Bob Marley here, but uh, yeah, it's dread out there. You got to get get involved. You got to get involved, folks.